Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name, my name is... is Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a nonprofit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Well, it's um, it seems pretty for a couple of weeks that have been dead in terms of the articles and, and whatnot came alive a little bit this week. Yeah. Absolutely. Some good stuff in there. Lots of Africa stuff coming out. Um, there are a couple of good ones coming out of, of America. Uh, but before we do that, let's get through some admin stuff. Um, September is just around the corner. We've got a bunch of stuff coming up in September, but since we're still in August, a um, bunch of supportive program giveaway items. Frank Cole, the artwork that he's doing, we just put up an Insta story. He does like this or fabricated metal artwork. Um, I think he's got a giraffe. I think he's got a big horn sheep. I think he's got a lion. I think he's got a whitetail. I think he's got an elk. The elk. One of those you'll be able to pick. Yeah, the elk is pretty cool. The elk is incredible. I, I kind of, uh, without like any, like he's repurposing things, it looks like to me, right? Yeah, he's finding them in the field, I think, whilst he's hunting. He just like picks up scrap and whatnot, and then he repurposes it. That's incredible. What it, I, I, didn't, I can't even make things that were made to go together go together right. And he has the ability to take things that weren't made to go together and put them together in a unique way. Yeah, for sure. There is a, it's, um, it's definitely what an artist is, right? I am not an artist. I'm a scientist. I cannot, I can see something. I can see a vision, but I don't know how to put it together. That's why we hire the best cameraman in the world to do what right. we do. I'm, I'm the same. I'm not a scientist, but 
I can't. I don't have a creative bone in my body. You're pretty good at acting like a scientist, though. Yeah, that's what I do. You do caveat the shit out of what you say, though. I play a scientist. I'm about fifty percent correct today. Right. Yeah, I'm. I'm honest. (laughs) I I play a scientist on podcasts. That's what I do. There we go. There we go. Um. Yeah, so we got a bunch of supporters program items. Frank Cole, Chelsea Hand, uh, Hansler is another one. Um, I think I've been calling her Chelsea Handler, which is the girl on Late Night, isn't it? Yeah, she's anyway, a Chelsea, comedian. I apologize. Chelsea Handler. Yeah, she's a comedian. But Chelsea Handler is another artist. She does a phenomenal job, and she's got an original custom painting of a, a an older gentleman that has a phenomenal story that um, went to a little bit of Insta storying around. Uh, Gunner Kennels is up. We've got a Flyway Series Gunner Kennel to give away. A dozen Nexus arrows and Oz cut broadheads. Uh, we have a Blood Origins Australia shirt up for grabs uh, for those Australian supporters. We have a gift pack of kids' books, Smile Outside kids' books, uh, duck dens for duck habitat, a Do Rosa shirt, uh, a dozen broadheads out of Cayuga broadheads, mountain taxidermy swag pack, and then a uh, F25 Eberly stock with a vapor pack tied to it so we've got a dozen items up for grabs this month all for the incredibly expensive sponsorship level of three dollars or more folks pretty cool mm-hmm. program really the worst part, yeah i think it's novel i think it's it's the worst part of working for blood origins but you can't like, enter any of them you, you won't let me win things on the supporters program that's correct I have to pay for things for you, like the rifle sling. Right. I have to buy you a rifle sling, which I still have, by the way. I need yeah, to, when I am I going to get that? Uh, yeah, it's not, you can't brag about buying me a rifle sling and then keep it at your house for months. Yeah. And honestly, I've been thinking about it. I don't know if Daryl even listens to the Roundup or not, so we'll see if he listens to the Roundup or not. Uh, but I think I'm going to give my rifle sling to Daryl. Oh, wow. He would appreciate that. Yeah. We'll both wear them proudly. We're yeah, going you both a, can go to. We're going on an Idaho mule deer hunt this year, with guns. That's the uh, that's our first gun hunt. Yeah, we've got uh, a couple of antelope hunts and an archery elk, um, but our first gun hunt will be Idaho mule deer. Yeah. Yep, I've got a. I drew a Wyoming antelope after seven years of putting in for preference points. Rifle, and then I drew a rifle boomstick. Correct. And I then also drew a Montana antelope tag after putting in for three years for preference points. So going to try and overlap those two things together. I don't know the entire state of Wyoming, but you screw up a Wyoming antelope rifle hunt. And there's going to be questions about your ability to lead a hunting related organization. No comments. Let's just hope the antelope is not my black bear of the West. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. No one, no one has any hope for you getting a black bear, but I think you can get an antelope with a rifle in Wyoming. I think you can pull that off. I don't. Uh, I well, it's, it's any six as well. So if I, if I get desperate, you know. Right. Right. I'm going on two archery antelope hunts, and it's, um, it's hard. It's really, really hard. Hell yeah. You're, you're not gonna you're not gonna sit in a blind, right? Spot and stalk. No, 
Yeah, it has to be spot in stock only because I don't have prior access to either one of the places, nor is it guided. Um, one spot is private ground um, connection through a Marine Corps buddy of mine. Um, and I, so I have a person there that knows the ground, but the, no, the Colorado one will be public ground and I have very little hope, but. Hey, that's why it's called hunting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, still going to be fun, but could be, uh, thank God we're not archery hunting antelope on public ground in Colorado during buck only season to eat. Cause we would be, we would be grazers. We would be eating grass. Yeah, you'd be a gatherer. I'd welcome you wholeheartedly over to the gatherer side of things. Right, right. I'm a little bit of a gatherer. I got a garden. Garden's doing very mm -hmm. well this year. Um, I have no op op opposition to. Oh, you're you're making a reference to the fact you can't kill a bear. Yes, sir. Sorry, that took you a while. Well done. Right. Welcome, I, welcome I, to I, the welcome to the podcast. Cody. I got you. Well done. I got you. I got you. What are you like nine years in a row now? Bear hunting, right? <laughs> See, now you're making up for the fact that you couldn't pick up the joke. So now you have, you're exaggerating I, like you typically do. I know. You took a shot at me, so I made it worse. <laughs> uh, last but not least, folks, if you are an Amazon shopper or your significant other is an, Amazon, an avid Amazon shopper, please convert over to smile.amazon.com and select Blood Origins from the dropdown, and you'll be sending Amazon's money to us. I got an addition to our discussion on that that I personally just discovered. Um, what you need to do is go right now, right now, whether you got anything to buy or not, go to smile.amazon.com and select Blood Origins as your nonprofit. Because even though this is, in fact, what I do on a daily basis, Blood Origins, I searched up something that I needed today, forgot what it was. But the result of it was an Amazon link. When I clicked through, it did not go to smile.amazon. It went to the regular Amazon. But Amazon asked me if I wanted to switch to smile.amazon.com to support Blood oh, wow. Origins. Oh, wow. So here, that's, that's to me, I completely understand that we're not blowing the doors off with this thing. Because it's very hard to break that pattern of just going to Amazon and remembering you actually physically have to go to smile.amazon.com. Um, but if you go right now and just go to smile.amazon.com, select Blood Origins as your nonprofit, um, at least sometime down the road, if you forget, on randomly, Amazon will remind you that they're, mm, they are willing know. to give Blood Origins some of your money. Good to know. Good to know. Hell of a contribution today, Cody. Hell of a contribution. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. You roll. You finish it out. <laughs> well, let's get into it. So we have a couple of really cool, yeah, good articles, a little bit of controversy this week, um, a little bit of could be massive blow up. We haven't seen a blow up yet. Um, so I'm just going to start at the top. Yeah. Uh, meat, meat Eater, a great little article came out of Meat Eater this week. Uh, a Wyoming guide charged with 19 poaching violations. Yeah, and I mean, pretty obvious stuff, right? I mean, when you when you read through the article, it's obvious that she uh, she kind of just um, I don't know. 
we have this thing where we try to be very nice, right? And I'm going to try to be very, I'm not going to be rude, but we're talking about a person who was breaking game violations and then went on like a reality huntress show. Right. Won it. Was the winner. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Kind of stuff always baffles me a little bit. Like, I would like to believe that if I decided to become a criminal and disregard rules, regulations, and laws, that I wouldn't incorporate that into me becoming a celebrity as well. Does that make sense? Like, like it, Oh, absolutely. And it's not like the violations happen post no, yeah, the they extreme were, huntress competition. Right, right. They, they were all, all the violations, in fact, were, were before the extreme huntress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and very, very blatant ones, right? Like, I'm a firm believer that there are some game laws. Okay, for, here's my caveat. Thank you very much. But my caveat is it's completely your responsibility to do everything legally. And the North American system of game management and the rules that come with it are incredible and give us incredible opportunities. But there are some things that, like, you know, make sure when you go to Wyoming that you've bought all your habitat stamps, your blah, 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 right? Like, it's not just get a tag, go hunt. There's, there's a series of things. And some of those things, when you hear, um, you know, someone got in trouble because they didn't have their $8 habitat stamp. At the same time, they bought a $700 tag and a $195 hunting mm-hmm. license. Those are times when I go, all right, you know, this guy needs to, this guy or gal needs to suffer the consequences of not doing it correctly. But that seems like a legitimate mistake to me, an oversight. You know, why would you spend a thousand dollars, but then not spend the last eight to kick it on into Legalville, right? Mm -hmm. Um, This is not the case with with this Wyoming guy. She was, yeah, couldn't shoot shoot a deer, but. Hey, there's an antelope there. You can kill that thing. Yeah, yeah. Same license. It's all good. Yeah, it's saying, telling clients as an outfitter that she had an extra tag in her back pocket. Um, you know, great customer service just outside the realm of the law. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, we moved on from that article to one that I thought was quite hilarious. Came out of Popular Science this week. Uh, written by a lady called Alicia McDarris. I have no idea if Alicia is a hunter. I highly doubt that she is a hunter. Uh, But the article's title was The Best Way to Deal with 30 to 50 Feral Hogs in Your Yard. Hint, it's not with an assault rifle. Funniest part of this uh, article, uh, Cody? This is going to be, we, we should have saved this to the end because this is my favorite. I believe her steps are, uh, I need to pull the article up, but I believe her steps. So this is how to deal with 30 to 50 feral hogs in your yard. First of all, give her credit. She admits that, I believe, is this the article? I believe she states more people are killed by wild hogs every year in the world than sharks. Like mm-hmm. she, ad- she admits 
that they can attack humans. It's very rare. This is not a conversation trying to make you scared of wild hogs. It's not a thing. But her steps are, I'm scrolling while I'm reading so I don't misquote, but the first one is avoid them. Give them a wide berth, I believe. Yes. Yes. To deter an attack. To deter an attack. Give them a wide berth. Deter being the wrong word there, right? To to delay mm-hmm. the pot to to diminish the possibility of attack. It's absolutely wise advice to not run at wild hogs. Good when, advice when they're close. That's solid Good advice. Solid advice. Once, if that doesn't work, once the end quote, if that doesn't work, quote. Once the swine starts running towards you, climb a tree, boulder, car, dumpster to get out of the animal's reach. <laughs> Try and get high. Dumpster. <laughs> P- pigs can't climb. Large ones can work their way up a tree. Great advice. Okay. So if there's nothing tall nearby, turn tail. This, this is a freaking quote, people. If there's nothing tall nearby, turn tail and sprint. Period. You can't outrun a wild pig. That's what it says. <laughs> but in a best case scenario, they might think they've neutralized the threat and give up chase. If not, you're probably <laughs> if in not. for a bad day. This is the greatest and stupidest <laughs> article. Zero, zero. I, I do not know this person in any way. This is just an article to say. There's three, there's, there's three things you could do to not get attacked by a wild hog. Wide berth, climb up on a dumpster, and run. If those don't work, you're absolutely screwed. But by all means, I started this article off with saying you don't need a gun. Right? Mm-hmm. That's what blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. She didn't even – she literally admitted that if you don't have a gun, and her three insanely intellectual methods of not getting attacked by a wild hog don't work. You're probably in for a bad day. That's what the article says. So this was, you know, how did Popular Science commission an article like this? Like, hey, you know, we've uh, we've had a couple of our, um, our our viewers, right? The the people who read our blogs, they're they're getting concerned. There's a bunch of pigs coming in their backyards. They don't know what to do. Do you think you can write an article about like what they could do when that happens? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But by absolutely. all means, should... we can't kill them. You're going to have a bad day. On your own property, you're going to get attacked by a wild animal, but do not rely on a firearm to prevent that. Uh, actually, when they, when they say you're probably in for a bad day, it continues by saying use anything at your disposal, a tripod, a walking stick, a golf club, to fight back like you've got those things on you right when you're walking around in your backyard i guess one of those three a things a tripod absolutely i don't i don't go anywhere on my 40 acres without a tripod and do your best to stay on your feet because if you get knocked down things get considerably considerably worse real fast <laughs> injuries that may have otherwise been relegated to legs and feet could spread to torso and face what the hell? Oh this God. is this is uh, this was literally someone said, "Hey, 
this hog thing seems like it's real, but we don't want people to have guns, do we? Why don't you write an article, Alicia? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. This is, uh, and then Alicia, I got to read a bio. Like, uh, other than the other than a gun is a bad option. This is a very truthful article. I have three options. They may not work, and you're screwed if they don't. But you don't need a gun. That's basically the synopsis of this of this entire article. My yeah, favorite article of the week. All right, moving on. So. One of the things that came to fruition this week is something that we went for back in December. So if everyone remembers, I don't know, we did a talking head about this. Uh, obviously, Blood Origins is in the, in the world of uh, doing conservation projects all over the world. We like to challenge ourselves. We've done a couple of big projects we feel like a big project, but we've never really stepped up and gone like the full whole hog, or in this case, whole elephant type project. And there was a, an opportunity in Namibia for 170 elephants to be bought. They were put on tender by the Ministry of Environment, Forestry, and Tourism. And um, we did a bunch of investigating. We thought about putting in a tender for it. But the number that we came up with was like $3.5 million for the tender. And uh, obviously, we didn't do it. Things went underground for a little bit, right? We didn't hear about it. We didn't know how many tenders went in. Our folks on the ground didn't know anything about it. But this week, Reuters uh, replied out uh, an article on August the 11th that Namibia sells only a third of elephants on offer in a criticized auction. Let me do some quick math on what a third is. 60-ish? It's more than I expected. 56. 56 elephants sold. Um, they don't tell us, like, there were three buyers to the elephants. So assume let's split that by three, right? So 15 to 18 elephants per buyer. Um, they have to meet a bunch of regulations. And in the article, it talks about having game-proof fences for the property where the elephants would be held. Um, but yeah, that was interesting to see, man. You know, I thought that I didn't know if they were going to, they were going to actually get any tenders. Obviously they did. They got a couple. I don't know if they've got more than three. Obviously those three still have to vet themselves out, but, um, yeah, I, th I, I actually heard that some zoos, uh, applied to get them and some actually out of China. But again, that's just hearsay. Nothing, nothing really um, that I can put some definitive proof on. I think the thing that probably it stands out to me is there's probably a huge number of people that look at this as a as a two thirds celebration, right? That that the fact that it was a failure, um, or it was a two-thirds failure, I guess, um, is, is something to celebrate. Um, and I will say, I'm, I'm a... Yeah, there were a bunch of people that petitioned for it not to even go forward. Right, right. So it not going completely forward is probably a victory to them. Um, I'm also on their side. Like, I'm, I'm kind of a closet anti-zoo guy. Um, you know, I think that a lot of... 
you can list off a lot of good things that have come out of zoos, but in the big scheme of things, I don't think zoos were a great human invention. Um, but it's also not good for the country of Namibia nor the elephants in Namibia that this money wasn't raised. It's, it, it's not a good thing. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know. How many elephants in Namibia? I know this is a thing you'll know right off the top. About 25,000. They Either between twenty five and 32,000 is what I, I think the number is. In 2019, the latest elephant census in Namibia had it about 24,000. And so they've done a great job, right? Namibia has done a phenomenal job with their elephants and conserving their elephants. And it's gone from about 7,500 elephants back in the mid-1990s, 1995, to almost triple, if not quadruple, by 2020. So they've got a burgeoning elephant population. And just for the sake of, I'm, I'm 97.5% sure that I know the answer to this, but Hunting in Namibia? Is there elephant hunting in Namibia currently? There is elephants on quota in Namibia. So this was this was this was uh, I don't know. It's the same thing every time. I'm two tequilas in, so I'll just say I, I don't it blows my mind the people that are against these African countries, any any country in the world that's struggling from using a really, really renewable natural resource mm -hmm. that they're managing in a way that has grown like this. Um, and and uh, I hope, I hope that, uh, also it would be very hard, like, like COVID probably paid a part, played a part in the sure. lack of success in this thing, right? I mean, are, so if-, if if you're a, for instance, an outfitter or even an ecotourism operation in Africa somewhere that would like to rebuild an elephant population, um, you're not sitting flush with cash right now. Last year was an entire loss for you probably. Um, and and that's that's got to be part of it as well. But the people that are against this it's the same old story that everyone that listens to the roundup has heard me say. I, I don't understand it. These, these are, these are developing countries or countries that are attempting to become developing countries um, that are trying to use their resources to raise funds um, and very, very renewable resources. Elephants do in fact renew themselves. And uh, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, hopefully in the future, if something like this comes to fruition again, we'll be better positioned with better contacts, better connections to maybe put a bigger foot forward. Because if we had pulled something like this off, both of us uh, talked about it and agreed that, man, we would be on Good Morning America and CNN and all sorts of news platforms that a pro-hunting organization bought all of the elephants in Namibia and moved them somewhere that uh, could start a brand new population. Exactly. Wow, what a success story. It looks, in fact, like there might be about 146, 114. I do my math right? Yeah. You know. Yeah, that tequila math is coming into. 
I got it right. Fruition. 114. If you said 56 were sold, there ought to be 114 left. If uh, any uh, supporters of the concept of blood origins out there want to roll the dice, let's go move 114 elephants. Absolutely. Let's do it. Because there, there are places in the world that could handle and use, and use them. Yep. Yep. Um, last couple of articles are tied to lions. A lot of stuff coming out of Africa, and lions are hot, hot, hot right now. And let's hope they stay below the radar. What do you think? Let me ask this question. Because obviously we're considering doing a talking head on lions this week. Like, should we? Should we do a talking head on lions? Or should we just say, let it lie? Let's not bring attention to it. My gut says, especially this scenario that we're about to discuss, don't bring attention to it. It seems to be dying down by itself. It seems to not have the legs that Cecil had. So would we be giving it more legs by giving it attention? Do you think that those that disagree with us on the subject are going to let it lie? I believe that they are. I don't think that they, at this stage, if you look at the same position that they were with Cecil, there was a lot more, and I don't know what the perfect storm that created that, but there was a lot more uprising everywhere. Every news article was talking about it. I saw this reference to this line being killed on NBC News, the 530 News, Saturday maybe, Friday maybe, and it was a blip. It wasn't even anything. It was this lion just got hunted, just got killed, just like Cecil, and it was gone. It was 10 seconds, 15 seconds, and they moved on to the next news article. Don't, okay. Now, no. I will say this. There were, there were about 50 articles supposedly hit the press today about this, uh, this lion that we're talking about. It's called Mapani, and he got killed in the same concession. I don't know if it's the exact same concession. I don't know if it was Antoinette or not, but it was in the Gwai, the Gwai Valley, which is right next to Wangi. And uh, they have one lion on quota every year, which is when you start looking at the articles about, you know, all these lions are getting shot coming out of the National Park in Wangi. There's been 24 lions killed in 20 years. Actually, there may be a little bit more than that. It comes out to like 1.2 lions a year, okay, which is about what they're allowed. They're allowed one per quota. One, uh, there's one lion on quota every year outside of that concession. Outside of the, on, sorry, on that concession. The, yeah. So do I, we even I talk about it? If, if, I don't or know do we, if, we talk, or if we talk about it. I think we're screwing up. We're, we're, you know, we're publicly making the decision whether or not to talk about it. I guess, I guess this could be edited later. Um, I think we should talk about it, man. I no, we would have. We would have either. We would have either done it or not by the time this podcast drops. I think this is what. Um, I think this is what we should do. 
one lion. So one lion out of this concession, there's there's one lion quota in the entire Antoinette concession. Is that that's what you just said, right? I believe in the Guai, uh, and I think Antoinette is, or maybe it's on Antoinette. I'd, I'd have to do some more research, but there's definitely only one line per year allowed to be taken under this hunting concession. I think it may include more than the Antoinette, but definitely the Antoinette. I think that. Uh... I don't really know, man. I think it would be very interesting to know what the money spent to take this lion accomplished on both the Antoinette concession and Wangi, which is an actual, which is a national park, mm-hmm. correct? Is a, is a is an actual refuge mm-hmm. or a park, right? Yeah, of course. And, and let's talk about that. Let's. That's exactly what needs to happen. There has to be a a forward. And, and I guess maybe I'm answering my own question is, but I don't have the data, right? I wish we knew exactly how much money was spent. We know exactly where the money went. We know the villages that the money helped. We knew all those pieces of data. The one thing I do know is this, is that this area outside of Wangi used to be agriculture, used to be a very low productivity cattle farm, cattle ranch in which they used to literally poison every predator that would come out of the park. So in terms of numbers of predators being taken today versus before it was turned into a hunting concession, there is no comparison. And I, as I understand it, the hunting uh, operators in this area used to have a phenomenal relationship with the photographic tourism sector. And the photographic tourism sector understood this scenario that, look, we're here, we're going to take one line a year, but it's better than what used to be them taking six lines a year, eight lines a year, leopards, wild dogs, hyenas, everything was getting taken out. But as I understand it, there's a new crop of photographic tourism operators that have come in. And because of that, they don't understand this the system. They don't understand what used to happen versus what happens today. And that's what all this sort of media circus is coming out from. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, what do you say? It's, it's the same, it's the same old song and dance of, of, I would assume because you just stated, and we're clearly both admitting we don't have the exact data on this very specific lion. What did, how did you say the name? I 100% would have said Mopane. Mopani very that's much more elegant than than my uh it's a type of tree it's a it's a tree in south africa that looks like it has like a butterfly uh shape to it it's attached at the bottom looks like a butterfly looks like a hoof of an antelope actually a very prominent tree in the low felt of south africa you would never have seen a mapani in the Karoo. okay it's all up in the low felt savanna Zimbabwe, Mozambique area. It's a very common tree. Either way, I mean, it, it, the animal was named, which is mm-hmm. always a risky thing. We've talked about that repeatedly. Um, and then no one's looking at the actual, you, you love to use the word consequences. Um, and it's, uh, 
gosh, could you imagine if we got the consequences of this hunt out of these guys? Right. I think there's a, I think there's a, there's a general American connotation that, that the word consequences is a negative thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not. And then by definition, it's not. It's just what's the results of this action or the consequences of this action. Um, and I, I would, I would bet, you know, I'd bet a thousand dollars cash right now that because of the money spent by this hunter, um, the overall situation in that concession, as well as the park itself, are better off. Um, again, that's an assumption, um, but not really. It, it, you know, we know what happens with the dollars over there. Someone's going to say the word corruption in a comment. I'm fully aware that there's corruption that happens. Um, but there's also uh, a lot of benefits that come out of these types of hunts. Mm-hmm. 100%. Well, on the opposite side, there has been two articles that have come out in which lions have killed people. I didn't give you the other article, actually. It only came to me today. But um, I'm going to find it right now, and I'm going to read it to you because it's actually tied to the area that Mopani was killed in. So it comes out of Zimbabwe. It comes out of the new Zimbabwe.com. You can read it. And it says, Det, a D-E-T-E-N-R-Z employee mauled by lions. And the NRZ is the National Railways of Zimbabwe. And uh, there was a suspected lion attack of a policeman. Um, and the area in, in which he was found was in and around Wangi. Very uh, ghost in the darkness, like with the... Uh... Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Okay, so let me... Let me uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to devil's advocate at you. Mm. I'm going to disagree with the position. I'm, are you saying, Robbie, that because lions, because that lion killed someone, we should kill other lions? I don't think people have a. Here's something I've always, always. I, I think I don't think the world in general understands this. That management of a resource, any resource whatever it is trees wild animals where the point what's your point here i'm i'm going to i'm going to bring it wrap it up what's your point in bringing up the fact that a lion killed someone in africa so just like if something uh grievous happened to your family member here in the us you would feel hard done by you would feel like why should i if there's something that came in and attacked me, like a piece of wildlife, why can we not make sure that that is never going to happen to someone else? Okay. And unfortunately, you know, there is some data and there's some data that refutes this, but there is some data that shows that once a man-eater, always a man-eater. And so... The idea that this lion has taken this human, whether it was by surprise or by intent, you never know. But there may be an opportunity where another human gets taken. And so there is inherently a conflict there. 
And a human will typically take things into its own, you know, matters and take care of the, the situation just like we would, right? We would take care of it if we if we didn't see anybody helping us. And so this article obviously does not say that it was whatever pride doesn't say it was even Mopani. People are suggesting that it was. But, you know, there's cases of people being killed by lions and elephants and crocodiles. That, that's common in the surrounding areas of Wangi and Zambezi National Park. This other article out of Zimbabwe is three kids were killed coming out of Ngorogoro uh, up in Tanzania. And it turns out that there's not a hunting outfit in that area. Well, these guys are saying to the government, hey, government, come take care of these lions. The Tanzanian government has translocated a bunch of lions because of human-wildlife conflict. And these guys are saying, come take these guys out. We don't want to live with them anymore. And, and, and one of the reasons being is that, and, and I, don't, I, I don't want to take, I don't want to say that this is the whole reason why someone would decide to live with lions, but it certainly plays a role that in Tanzania, the government doesn't compensate anyone for loss of human life to wildlife attacks. The family itself in this article says they get about $430 as burial assistance for a member that died due to wildlife. No compensation at all. So why would you want to live with wildlife if that was the scenario? There it is right there. That's it right there. Because I think there's a whole bunch of people that are on the opposite side of this argument that you and I are who think that we're making some claim that we have to kill lions or they will eat people. And while that is in fact true, lions will 100% eat people. The claim is if you don't do something to manage the lions and provide a value to these locals, natives, of a live lion, they will right. find a way. If I was sitting here in, in or let's say I was in Montana, and grizzly bears were devastating my cattle herd, and, prov- and, and grizzly bears 100% will also kill a human being, um, and no one did anything about it. No one was providing them a value. No one was doing anything to manage them. I will take that into my own hands. I promise. Nobody you. was giving you reparations for your 100%, losses. 100%. I will protect my family and my property in any way I deem fit. And so this is not a these people in third world countries are doing drastic things. That's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you, I would do it. If, if I was in their situation and my family member had just been killed by a lion and no one else was offering me any help, the next male lion that I see is in as much trouble as I'm capable of putting it in, I guess, right? Like, if yeah, I, And I'll, I mean, I'll take it one step further. I'll take it one step further is that more often than not, it's not just going to be one. Sure. No, right? they'll, they'll take lion, out as many as they possibly can. It's every lion I see from there on out. They took my family member. 
And now they're coming back onto my property if it's 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's mm-hmm. what happens. And it's not a it's not a it it's not an insult to those people. What I'm saying is that's exactly the way I look at it. That if I lived over there right now, that's how I would look at it. If nobody else is gonna do something about this, 100 percent that will be the last family member or village member of mine that a lion gets if I have anything to do about it. They have every right to think mm-hmm. that way. Um, and, you know, it, if they're maintained, combined with you assign them a value, that village benefits from the hunter that comes over and takes them. The population grows. The population grows and the conflicts are not eliminated. The conflicts will never be eliminated. People in Kansas will always be hitting white-tailed deer with their car. Probably people in Africa, to some extent, will always be being eaten by lions. It's going to happen. But we can mm-hmm. lessen that odds mm-hmm. and provide some value to it, and then the, then the, the locals don't take it upon themselves to eliminate the threat. And uh, I don't freaking understand how people don't get it. Yeah. Actually, you know, hunting is obviously this is a, a, a hunting based organization. We talk a lot about hunting, but there's something to be said for work like Amy Dickman, who is a non hunter going into Ruaha in Tanzania, talking to the communities, building incentive based platforms like. So she's got this camera survey. Did you, did you listen to that podcast with her? They got this camera based trap survey that the villagers actually get points for different wildlife that they get on their trail camera. And certain wildlife actually gets you more points than others. So a lion gets you like 5,000 points. A daker gets you 500 points. And those points are accumulated in the village and they can buy things with the points. Food, medical, fencing, all those kinds of things. So it's a different way to value the wildlife that you talked about. It still has to happen. The wildlife still has to have that that absolute value for it to stay. Otherwise, something else will replace it. 100%. 100%, especially when you're dealing with people who are actually surviving, right? Like less than, less than 1% of the population in the United States is actually getting up in the morning and figuring out how to survive to the end of the day, right? We're way more worried about mm-hmm. Coffee, and I'm really stressed right now about how bad my internet connection is on this podcast. That's a whole different thing from <laughs> that's a whole different world from how am I going to feed my family dinner tonight when I wake up in the morning? And in, in, and, and, uh, I don't know. Amy Dickman is one of the most intelligent people that I've ever heard speak or talk or tweet or or follow mm-hmm. and in fact you know she's she's i mean she's as close to a uh, common sense anti-hunter as exists 100 percent. totally agree well uh certainly a variety of topics that we have covered this week um and uh, we're just going to keep keep doing it every single week on the roundup uh, let me put this out there because we, we typically, it's just me and you this week. We don't have a guest. 
uh, not for a lack of trying. We tried and tried and tried and find some guests, but we couldn't get them to to join us. I don't know if it was knowing well, that you were on the podcast. Admittedly, uh, we're both busy enough that we tend to worry about it about 18 hours before. That's something that <laughs> I'm, I will state publicly right now that I'm taking over the scheduling of the guests. And if you schedule someone, just tell me when they're on and I won't book someone there. We have a lot of people that... Uh, but what if we did? Where were you? I interrupted you, and it's. it's I was saying, if people have gotten this far in the roundup and have listened to us, and you are interested in being a guest on the roundup, we don't care who you are. We just want good people with good, intelligent thoughts. We don't care who you are. It'd be pretty cool. Random oh, person that- DMs us and goes, hey, I want to be on the roundup. He's like, hell yeah, you're on the roundup. Yeah, absolutely. Do it. Let's do it. Anyone that any, – not anyone that applies will be on, but any, <laughs> anyone in the world is, is willing to uh, send us an Instagram direct message, a Facebook – a message on Facebook Messenger, or you can email us at info at Blood Origins. Uh, this will be a test to see how many people made it 48 minutes into this roundup. <laughs> and, and still want to come on right yeah absolutely no i think it's a great idea and again um we definitely have some phenomenal guest options um i will take the blame even though it's partially maybe mainly robbie's fault that we don't have a guest tonight because we get wrapped up in other things and then about 24 hours out start thinking about it we need to get them scheduled out and we'll do that but if you're interested send us a shout You've listened this far. You know it's not real uh, organized and dramatic or anything. Just come on and let's talk about stuff. Let's do it. All right, Cody. Cheers, mate. Looks like your tequila's finished. Hold on. I want to throw a completely – these people have given us no money. Now, they may be anti-hunters for I don't know, but Peach Street Distillery out of Palisades, Colorado, if you can get a hold of their agave, which – for those of you that don't know, that's tequila, but you can't call it tequila unless it comes out of a certain, I believe, the uh, Sinaloan state of Mexico. You can't call it tequila. It's, it's very similar. Degave Extra from Peach Street Distillery in Palisades, Colorado, is, will be the best money you have ever spent on liquor in your life. Hmm. I guess my bottle's in the in the mail, right? Absolutely. You get me that damn sling that you supposedly bought for me, and I'll send you a bottle. All right, deal. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.